0: This morning we're continuing our series, Come to the Table, and uh, over the last four weeks we've been exploring together as a church family what it means to encounter Jesus through communion. So if you've just joined us on this journey or if you've missed a couple of weeks, then fear not, you can um, catch up online via our website or you can download the SoundCloud app as well on your phone, and if you do that then just search for Bangor Vineyard Church and you should find everything that you're looking for there um also when we started we give out these little booklets there's some of those at the back of the room as well um and those are just we really helpful guides to accompany this this series and um, we're finishing this series next week um but if, if you've missed it and um, feel free to take one of those away with you and uh, you can just use them in your own time or use them as a devotional if you wish so we've been on quite a journey together haven't we Um, As we've just been exploring this thing called communion that Jesus asked us to do in remembrance of what he did for us in the cross. And, And what we've been learning is that the communion table is a place of encounter where we remember and celebrate all that he has done for us. And we've also been learning that it's not just a boring old ritual that we have to do, but that Jesus is actually present with us. And he longs to pour his love and grace out upon us as individuals and as a church family. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a look at how the bread and the cup actually reveals something of God's heart for the outcast and the poor, for the vulnerable and the lonely, and for the broken and the marginalized. This morning, my prayer for us is that we encounter the compassionate heart of God. And that as we encounter the love and compassion of the Father, we would actually rededicate our lives to the pursuit of God's justice. So let's pray together before we get stuck in. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts this morning to be receptive to what you have for us. May our hearts be fertile this morning. Come and remove any prejudices or obstacles that might be in our way this morning and might stop us from receiving all that you have for us. I bless our kids this morning. I bless the kids' kids leaders who are leading our kids this morning. May they know your presence with them. And may what they do in those rooms be potent and powerful and overflow. Jesus' name. Some of you will have heard me talk about this before. Um, When Rebecca and I got married, which is 12 years ago this coming Saturday, um, we asked a guy called Keith Lockhart to come and sing a song at our wedding. Now, um, some of you will will have met Keith because he came to speak here in October, so you'll know that, that he's an incredibly prophetic guy. So Knowing that he was really prophetic, we just kind of said, Keith, um, we want you to sing a song. We want you to go away and decide what song that is because we trust you and, and, and uh, we know that, you, that you're in tune with what the Father's saying and what the Father's doing. So um, go and pick it yourself. Um, and so it actually turned out that he that he wrote a song for the day. Um, How privileged were we? Uh, And it was a song of anticipation and invitation to come to the wedding of life that Revelation chapter 19 talks about. The joining together of Jesus and his bride, which is the church. And the lyrics of the song, I believe, carry the heart of the Father. And they go like this: I'm not going to sing it to you. You'd be glad to know. Come all you people, for the time has now come to laugh and to dance and to sing, to celebrate love and to celebrate life and to celebrate all that he brings. For though we are different, the two shall be one, the bridge that will cross the divide, our hopes and our dreams brought together at last by the one who has given us life. Won't you come? Won't you come to the wedding of life? There's a place that's been set there for you. Won't you come if you'll listen? He's calling your name. It's for all of eternity too. It's for all of eternity too. Come all you lonely and those who are lost, the poor and the lame and the weak. There's one who can heal the deepest of wounds, for they wounded his hands and his feet. But the cross could not hold him, the grave not contained, the one who created us all, and he burst out in glory and broke every chain. And he calls us to follow him now. And then it goes back into the chorus again and there's a couple of other verses there. Um, But it talks about this wedding feast of the Lamb that Revelation chapter 19 talks about. And you see this, this meal of communion that we have set out on either side of the room, it actually points the way towards the wedding feast of Jesus. It points us towards the coming of God's kingdom in all of its glory. It points us towards a time when all will be made well. It points us towards a time when he's going to come and he's going to fully restore all that was broken and lost in the garden. And it points us towards a time when he's going to make every wrong right again. Every single injustice that we see in the world. But as much as the meal of communion should awaken an anticipation within us, it should also remind us that we've already been called and commissioned as agents of God's kingdom. He sent us out already to invite and welcome other people to the party. And part of that calling means that we carry God's heart for justice. It's God's compassionate heart that awakens us to pursue justice for other people. And you don't actually have to read the Bible that much or read much of the Bible to realize that Jesus showed outrageous compassion to all the wrong types of people, or those who society says are the wrong types of people. Not only did he show compassion for, the, for people who had intentionally sinned and chosen the wrong path, like tax collectors who were extorting people, but he also demonstrated outrageous compassion to, towards those who were marginalized maltreated and devalued by society. Those who were overlooked and those who were impoverished. And so, today when we consider the word poor, or we talk about poverty, we can actually view these terms through a purely financial lens. But actually in, in the New Testament, the poor are generally seen as those who are powerless in society. And if you think about that, that can actually be quite wide ranging, can't it? It can include elderly people who are lonely and are often overlooked and, and forgotten about. It could be groups of teenagers whose whose parents don't want them in the house, whose voices aren't valued and they feel marginalized because nobody else wants them hanging around their neighbourhood. And it can be those who are subject to the terrible injustice of human trafficking. It's a wee bit more overt, that one. Whose voices have been silenced, whose dignity has been shattered, and whose value degraded. And it can be refugees who've experienced the trauma of fleeing a war-torn land and are often rejected and subject to, to all types of racial hatred in their new homeland. So there's there's so many um, different categories within that if you like. Uh, The term poor is a much more wide-ranging term than we often think about, and it includes everybody, really, who's subject to the injustices of society. And in the scriptures, God has such a special, special place in his heart for the poor. Poverty is actually mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. It's just so, so, so important to the Father. And one such example of that can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And the church has been called and commissioned to express God's heart to a broken world, to speak for those who have no voice, to stand with those who have been oppressed, to rescue those who, have been, who need rescued, and to fight on behalf of those who are powerless. We have been called to pursue God's justice. So what does it actually mean to pursue the justice of the kingdom? Let's let's open our Bibles this morning at Matthew chapter 25, if you have a Bible with you. You can follow along with me. Um, Don't worry if you don't, the the words are going to be up on the screen. And it's Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's just let that, that sink into our hearts for a moment. This passage that we've we've read together is is the climax of a long speech that Jesus has given. And he was in the last week of his life and and he knew it. Uh, So he pulled no punches. He didn't miss and hit the wall. He held absolutely nothing back. And, And the context of his rant was this. The Jewish leaders at that time, they behaved as if the world revolved around them. And they taught the people that God would judge the world for how they treated Israel. As if they could do no wrong. But Jesus was kind of saying to them, You know what, guys? Hold on a minute. That's not actually how it's gonna happen. I'm gonna judge the world and here's how it's gonna work. I'm gonna ask you, did you feed the hungry? Did you care for the homeless and those who are refugees? Did you visit the prisoners? Did you speak up on behalf of those who have no voice? Did you actually catch a hold of my heart or was it all just pretense? How did you use your position of influence? And we're going to be singing about this later on. Did you choose to serve and not be served? Now until this this moment, many of the Jews and particularly their leaders had spent their whole lives believing that God and the whole world revolves around them. So this just kind of totally wrecks that idea, doesn't it? Jesus had a habit of doing that. And the kingdom of God turns our ideas of justice Upside down and inside out. It forces us to stop asking, what can I get? And to start asking, what can I give? Justice in the kingdom of God is all about reconciling others back to the Father. It's about demonstrating the heart of the val- of the Father to those who have been broken. To those who have been devalued and degraded. And to those who have been overlooked. And silenced. It's actually about calling those who are on the margins back into the centre of the party of all parties, because that's where Jesus is. Pursuing justice means that we actively choose to take a stand against injustice. So what does that actually mean for us here today in Bangor Vineyard? Well, I want to challenge us as a church to, to be a church who remember the poor. This, is, this has been an incredibly exciting time for us as a church over this last while. We've, we've started to grow over the last three or four months. And, and some of you have just given your yes to Jesus recently. And, and that's so, so, so exciting for, for all of us. Um, some of us have just re-engaged with church again. And, and Jesus has been meeting with us powerfully. It's been an incredibly exciting and and fruitful time. And if you've just come along recently, you've come at a really good time. It's really exciting. God is moving in this place. And we're just so thrilled that he's chosen us to be part of it. And he wants us to partner with him. We've also started to see God start to break in and heal people as well. And that's been exciting. And we've known his favor in being able to, to use this wonderful venue, this wonderful theater here with these wonderful lights, which I particularly like, with all this nice stuff that we've got here. Um, it's just a nice place, isn't it? It's a nice building. But my message to all of us this morning is this. God hasn't just given us a vision for a great church. But he's placed an expansive dream in our hearts for this community. So please, 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 let's not get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. Pursuing the justice of the kingdom means we centre our lives and our churches around welcoming others to join us in the party. And hey that's always going to take us out of our comfort zone. I was at a a church planting training event about five or six years ago, and um, Jason and Michelle Scott, who are the the pastors down in Dungannon Vineyard, they were talking to us about their experience of of planting the vineyard church there in in Dungannon. And uh, I remember Jason telling us that one Sunday morning he was coming into their, their Sunday morning venue, and he was on the lift on the way up to the first floor where they had their venue. And and uh, he was kind of waiting there and thinking to himself, Yeah, this is good. This feels good. We've arrived. We've made it. We've got our own venue now. We've, we've got over 100 people that are part of us. This is it. We're here. And immediately he felt the Lord rebuke him and ask him the question, If this church were to disappear from this town, Would anybody notice? Would anything be different? And today I want to challenge us as a church. Success doesn't look like a big church congregation or a building of our own or fancy lights and smoke machines or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with those things, by the way, and I'm not saying we're never going to have a smoke machine. Actually, there's one hiding away over there. It's not ours, by the way. I don't know how to work it. Maybe you do, Ian, do you? Yeah, he does. He does. Of course, he does. There's nothing in this room Ian doesn't know how to work. Great. We'll have a smoke machine next week then. (laughs) But actually, success looks like staying faithful and obedient to the call of Jesus and to his mission. That's what success for us as disciples of Jesus looks like. It looks like faithfulness and obedience to the things that Jesus has called us to, to the mission of Jesus. And if, if you if you need reminded of what the mission of Jesus is, it's found in Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. There it is up on the screen. This is actually from Isaiah chapter 61, which Jesus was quoting. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the mission of Jesus. That's what we've been called into. That's what he's asked us to do. That's our job description as disciples of Jesus. You see, we haven't been called to build a fancy church. That's Jesus's job. It's true, you know. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And what we've been called to is to pursue the mission of Jesus. We've been called to be agents of his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, even smoke machines. (laughs) Actually, it doesn't say that. But I'm sure that's what Jesus meant. Yeah. And pursuing the kingdom means we pursue those things that are important to God. It means that we center our lives and our churches around welcoming others to join us in the party, particularly the poor and the marginalized. And it doesn't, it doesn't just mean that we, we tell them all about the love of Jesus. It means we demonstrate the love of Jesus by feeding the hungry, by speaking up on behalf of the oppressed, by pouring our lives out for others in the service of Jesus. The book of Isaiah says this. It says that this is what true religion looks like. It's in Isaiah 58. And, and this is the context. Is this is God's prophet speaking to the people who had all kinds of spiritual practices, but there was a complete mismatch between their practice of fasting and how they, they treated those around them, including their workers. So Isaiah 58, verse 6 onwards. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wonder with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. There's a lot in that. So it's worth taking that one away and and reading over that. But this is the call of God in this church, so do not get comfortable. We have been called by God to stand with those who are oppressed, to clothe those who are naked, to feed those who are hungry, and to provide for those who are in need. And the call of God on this church goes far, far, far. I always say this. It goes way beyond what we do in this place. That's only the beginning. We've been called to rebuild the ancient ruins of the city. We've been called to bring transformation and life back to the city. And by the way, I know Bangor's a town, but I always call it a city because I'm speaking prophetically over it. It may never get city status. Who knows? But actually, there's a significant call on this place that we call home and this whole surrounding region in the North Down area. There's an incredible spiritual legacy in this place. Ascending community. And we've been called to bring transformational life back to the city. This is who we are and this is what we're about in this church. And I must admit, Um, Whenever I sat down to prepare this this sermon today, it was actually a little bit difficult to prepare because I felt like I didn't have that much authority to speak into this. Here we are, we're 18 months in, and, and the truth is we've barely scratched the surface. And at this point in time, this community wouldn't really notice all that much if we packed up tomorrow. God's been doing some amazing things amongst us and, and lives are changing and it's incredible. Most of us here would, would notice, but, but we're not yet at the point where this town and this community would actually notice. The hungry would carry on being hungry. The oppressed would carry on being oppressed. And so on. But as I kind of wrestled with this whole area, I felt like Jesus reminded me that, that an oak tree doesn't grow overnight. An oak tree doesn't grow overnight. Okay, so, so what I mean by that is what we don't want to do is just dive in and do anything out of a place of guilt or heaviness. We want to position ourselves strategically for impact for the long term. And by the way, the difference between kingdom justice and social action is that kingdom justice flows out of an overflow of God's goodness and compassion towards us And kingdom justice will always lead us to the restoration of dignity and purpose for other people. Whereas social action can can often just be motivated by a frustration with societal injustices and a desire to fix things or fix other people. And so quite often the actions are the same, but the difference is the heart behind them. Do you get that? Does that make sense? I'm not saying all social action is bad. There's some incredibly amazing things out there that are run by all types of organizations. It's not just the church. But the difference a lot of the time is the heart behind them. And as followers of Jesus, we carry the compassionate heart of God. So what we want to do is we want to get the heart right. Right? We want to stay in step with the Father. So we're not going to do anything. We're not just going to rush in and do anything out of a a place of guilt or heaviness. It's important to strategically position ourselves for the long term. About um, six months before we, we launched publicly, in fact, I think it was probably more than six months before we launched publicly, so maybe two to three years ago at some stage we gathered to some folk, to pray with us we shared a bit of vision um, of this church that God had placed on our hearts before it ever was a church and, and on that night someone had a picture of this great big oak tree um, that provided shelter to, to hundreds of, of people and, and it was a st- strong oak tree and it lasted for gener- generations and generations. And I believe that God is positioning this church for a place of significant influence in this community. So we don't need to feel guilty or heavy that we haven't fully stepped in to all that God has for us as a church yet because oak trees don't grow overnight. We're cultivating something here in Bangor that we want to last for generations. So it would be madness to try and pioneer a bunch of compassion ministries before we've got critical mass to support them properly. But what we do need to know at this stage of the journey is that's where we're headed. It's a non-negotiable. We will remember the poor. So let's not get too comfortable. Does that mean that we're going to start a food bank tomorrow? No, it doesn't. I'm not even sure that's what this town needs anyway. Does it mean we're going to start a prison ministry in September? No, it doesn't. We don't have to rush at this or come at this from a place of striving, but what we do need to do is position our hearts to be ready for when the time is right to step more fully into this. So here's one thing I'd love to invite you to do, to begin to do. God has a unique purpose for this church in this area of justice and compassion, so I'd love to invite you to start praying into that. Could you do that? Could we we just start praying in? And asking the Father where he's already at work. And, and how, how can we partner with you? And if you have any words or pictures or you feel God speaking, do you just write it down and pop it an email, send it to us. Come and tell us about it. And just in this season that we're at right now as a church, let's position ourselves for when the Father says, Go. So in the future, what that might look like is that we find creative ways, and I'm only dreaming here this morning. So in the future, what that might look like is that we find creative ways to show compassion to people who are suffering from depression, experiencing loneliness, and people who, who have suicidal tendencies. And, and there's, there's people in our church who have an expertise and passion in this area. I've already heard many conversations from some of those people. Who, who are passionate about this and feel like the Lord's leading them into that. So there's definitely a gap in our community. So it's a kind of watch this space as that as that dream starts to play out and 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 plans begin to emerge. And one thing that Rebecca is dreaming of and exploring at the minute is a weekday group for moms that would actively resource them to deal with the many challenges that parenting children brings. Particularly moms who feel the extra weight of parenting on their own. And that one's maybe a little bit easier to start. And and Rebecca's exploring that one at the minute. And um, and that's something that we might pilot within the next 12 months. Um, but what if our church could play a part in standing alongside some of the people in our community who feel alone and who have no support network? We're also aware that there's there's just so, so much mental health issues at the moment amongst young people many of whom go to this college, what would it look like if we built up relationships with the young people in this college and found ways to show them that they're valued, that their voice matters? I don't know if you've noticed, but um, over the, the last couple of months, there's been a bunch of young people who have started to use this venue to rehearse on a Sunday morning, so they're here at the moment in some of the rehearsal rooms and other parts of the building. And I must admit that when they first started to show up and, and they kind of bombed across the top of the venue there, um, the balcony as, as we were sound checking, and I was kind of like, hang on a minute here. What are you guys doing here? This is our place. We've paid for this. Um, and I very quickly caught myself on and recognized, actually, that's not God's heart. We've been uniquely positioned to demonstrate to them that they're valued that they're precious to Jesus and that he has great plans for them. And can I encourage you just to pray for them? As you're driving to church, just pray for the other people that are in this building. As you come into this venue, just be aware that we're not alone here, that there's other people here. Actually, actually we want them to catch God's heart for them. Such a, Such a formative stage, an important stage of life. And you see, society as a whole typically doesn't value that age group and and, and we can be so quick to write them off, but God's heart is bursting. It's absolutely bursting for the young people who come into this place every day. He's desperate for them to know how much he loves them and values them. And we can be part of that. Oak trees are well known for their size and strength and, and also for their ability to withstand storms and last for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think like five or six hundred years sometimes oak trees can can last for. But they actually start off just as as little acorns. And I was trying to get hold of some acorns today, but it's kind of the wrong time of the year to do that. Um, but they they start off as just something really small, as a little acorn out of little acorns mighty oaks grow and and once we've finished this series we're we're going to we're going to start by doing something small we're going to we're going to go back to the realm of just doing communion again once a month the way we were doing before the starless service and the kids will be in for the first couple of songs as as we do that and so we'll we'll do that once a month probably starting at the end of may um and that'll probably be the last Sunday of every month, but but when we do that, we're also going to do something something else at the same time. We're going to use that day, that Sunday morning, as an opportunity to do a food collection for North Down Storehouse, so that we can we can play our part in loving and caring for those who are in need. Small beginnings but we're building something here in our hearts. We're building something in the realm of this church. We're planting something. We're planting compassion right into the soil of this church so that it's there from the start. So it's not that insignificant. Out of little acorns, mighty oaks will grow. So that's where we're going to make a start. Um, There's some logistical aspects to that as well. So... If you feel like you want to be the person that wants to take all the stuff that we bring along, it'll be dry food and, and tins of food and, and all that sort of stuff. So we'll get some we'll get some details off that from North Down Storehouse. We did some stuff with them early on at the start when um, our first Christmas we did a collection for them. But um, we'll get details of that and we'll, and we'll make sure you have all those in advance. But if, if you feel like you want to be the person that collects all, all that stuff up at the end on a Sunday morning puts it in your boot and drives it over um, to North Down Storehouse at some stage during the week, then um, come and have a word with me. Um, and uh, we'd love to, we love to uh, get you involved in, in doing that. Wonderful. Um, the final thing that I want to say about pursuing God's justice is that when we pursue the Father's heart for others, we too get to experience the healing power of God. Isaiah, back to Isaiah 58, verse 8. It says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. When we welcome those who are on the margins, we welcome Jesus himself. When we care for the fatherless, we too encounter the love of the father. When we reach out beyond the four walls of the church, we encounter the very presence of Jesus. If you've just come along here, um, bit of our history: we started across the road eighteen months ago. Um, but Rebecca and I were, and Heather and David, if you're not in the room at the moment, um, we're all part of Belfast City Vineyard. For Rebecca and I were part of that for about seven years, and we were planted. We were planted out of that wonderful community there. And uh, back when we were part of there, I was part of a storehouse team, storehouse in Belfast, that served on a, on a Friday evening. It's a compassion ministry that Belfast City Vineyard started, but it's, it's got so many other churches involved and partnering, partnering with it as well. And uh, I had the privilege of being able to serve people from right across Belfast who were in desperate need of food, of clothing, and of furniture, and all sorts of other needs as well. And, and as well as being able to serve them practically and meet their physical needs, On so many occasions, we got to pray for people and partner with Jesus as he began the work of restoring their value and their worth. And sometimes I walked out of the storehouse center just absolutely broken, just broken, and crying out to God for the broken lives of the people I'd encountered. But I I also remember so many occasions where I got to see love and the grace of Jesus at work in people's lives. To be able to look into somebody's eyes and see their face light up as Jesus restored their value and dignity. And every time that happened, I walked away having met with Jesus face to face. With a fresh encounter of his love in my life as well as the lives of those around me. You see what happens when we show compassion? We partner with Jesus to demonstrate the heart of the Father. We talked about partnering a couple of weeks ago. Part of Jesus starts to affect us and infiltrate our lives. We receive from Him. Our regional director Andy Smith, who also leads Belfast City Vineyard, Rebecca and I had the pleasure of grabbing a coffee with him on Thursday night. But he says this in in this book. If anybody wants this copy of this book, by the way, Vineyard Values, then if you want to find out more about us as, as a church, then you can have this. There's a few more copies at the back of the room. I'd love to get one loose for you. But if you want one loose, um, I can get that for you. But Andy says this in that book, as we remember the poor and regularly place ourselves amongst the poor in love and service, we find that the power and the presence of Jesus is with us in ways that we won't experience anywhere else. So, as we come to the table today to encounter Jesus, i love it if we could take a moment to recognize the calling he's put on our lives. Just as we later on make our way up to receive communion. Let's remember that he's called us to demonstrate his love and compassion to those who need him the most that what's on the table is there to be shared. We've been called to extend the grand invitation of the kingdom and to invite many, many people to join us in the party of all parties. So here's some ways that I love us to respond. You might want to seek the Lord for, for what he wants us to pers- for how he wants us to pursue his justice here in Bangor, it's by praying. That's something I'd love to invite you to do. You might want to commit to investing financially and building God's kingdom here in Bangor. And if you're not tithing, if that's not something that you've you've been you've been doing, um, I'd love to invite you to start doing that. Not because we really need it but actually because it's one of the greatest privileges and pleasures to be able to invest in God's kingdom, to be able to build and to steward a legacy. And there are details of how to do that on on these little cards that are at the back of of the room. Um, But by investing your tithe, you get to cultivate the growth of this oak tree as it grows. And I love this quote by John Wimber. He says, John Wimber Who is one of the founding leaders of the vineyard movement? He says, Most of us, all of our lives, have been eating fruit from trees we did not plant. Somebody had the foresight and was willing to plant and establish these things so that later generations would have the benefit. So let's be a group of people that build legacy, that invest our time and our money wisely. So that many, many people, including future generations, generations for years to come, can be blessed by what we invest in and what we cultivate now. And finally, um, we haven't really talked about this today, but some of you may need to take some time to ask Jesus if he needs to remove any barriers like prejudice or greed to keep us from pursuing his justice. So those are some of the ways that you might want to just respond to some of the things that I've been talking about this morning. We're gonna we're gonna worship again. Um, if you and you want to come back up, we're gonna sing together. Um, and just as we do that, we're gonna we're gonna um, take communion. There's a table at, at either side of the room, and I just invite you if if you want to encounter Jesus, whether this is your first time here, you've been coming here for a while. If you want to meet with Jesus. You're so welcome to come and receive uh, the bread and the cup this morning. So let me pray for, for us just as we, as we begin to worship and come forward. Why don't you stand? Father, we, we desire the justice of your kingdom in this place in this region, in this land. So Father, I ask that you'd help us to identify where we can put our energy, how we can be wise stewards, where we can invest our resources. Father, I ask that you would form in us hearts that are soft and tender, that you give us eyes to see people how you do, Help us to be generous and not hold on to what you've given us. Help us to release generously. And increase faith in our hearts to see this place come alive and to see your kingdom come here. Give us a fresh vision and revelation for solutions to the problems that our community faces. Release revelation. Just right now, God, I ask that you'd release revelation. Let revelation just flow out right across this room. Lord, lead us and send us. In Jesus' name.